This resource is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. Attend the next National Disciple-Making Forum by registering at Discipleship.org. The following audio comes from the 2016 National Disciple-Making Forum. The theme this year was Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. Discipleship.org brought together 10 disciple-making organizations all in one place, each organization hosting a different track. One of those 10 tracks was hosted by LionShare with Dave Buring and his team. Here's audio content from LionShare and their track called The Holy Spirit, Obedience, and Transformation. All right, I want to welcome you to, uh, I guess this is the name of it here, Teaching Disciples to Obey Jesus. And um, in a few minutes, we're going to begin a, a live small group demonstration just to kind of model for you how you can uh, how you can apply this. Um, it's been a wonderful couple of hours. I know it's not a couple of days, it's a couple of hours that we've been together here. Has it been a good time for you guys? Mm-hmm. Workshops been good? Breakouts? We're glad that you're here. So this is um, this is something that, um, as Lion Share, if you're not familiar with Lion Share, Lion Share is an organization that focuses on uh, igniting and resourcing disciple makers, uh, both in the church and through the church, to impact what we call the dozen domains of society. If you were in our uh, Sonia's session a little earlier today, by the dozen domains we mean family, church, government, education, media. Um, arts, entertainment, sports, business, science and technology, health, medicine, wholeness, agriculture, environment, zoology, nonprofits and service organizations, and then also what we call peoples. What we mean by peoples, for example, there's a season of time um, where uh, we focused on walking with uh, young African-American men. Had young African-American men come and and say, hey, we need this in our churches, and, and will you walk with us so we can reproduce? And so um, so we did that. And uh, I do it, um, if you've never thought of using technology in your disciple-making, I want to encourage you to do so. Um, we, uh, it's uh, every year since probably 2009 for me, I've, I've used something like Zoom. Zoom's the one Todd helped discover for us a few years ago. But, um, something where I can have multiple people at the same time from around the country. And so we literally lead them through the same content on their own. And then when we're together, our focus isn't about discussion and arguments of doctrine. Or I really like the way the pastor said. It's not about that. It's all about what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? How are you going to obey that in your life? Amen. That It's that simple. All right? And so... Um, one of the things that um, we like to do with this is we want to help people get grounded in a way that they can grow, but then it's easy for them to help other people grow. Now, if you weren't in our session tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, of course you won't be, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> yesterday um, we talked about following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And as a follower of Jesus, we have to understand that's supposed to be normal. According to the book of Acts, that was normal. All right. How do we do this? We talked about that. Well, some of the features of that will apply here in this session, all right, of just kind of learning to listen to the Lord and follow his lead in the, in the process. There's some principles, too, that we can follow. So let me just set this up for you with a couple of things here, all right? What, what we're using in this session is a tool called the Discipleship <coughs> Journey. Can you hand me that? If you haven't seen that, it's this tool. This is the tool that we use with Lionshare. It's about a dozen years old. We kind of freshen it up every once in a while. 
and uh, it's been used now on uh, every continent. It's in Spanish, it's in German. We're working actually on a children's edition now for first to fifth graders, so parents can disciple their kids. So that Sunday school folks, instead of maybe a curriculum that they're not applying in a discipleship way, could be used in that way, that kind of thing. So what what I did before um, we gathered here is I asked all of these folks to, uh, and by the way, many of them um, know each other, but they're all from different places. Barry, you're from? Minnesota. I live in Northern Virginia. Tiffany, Virginia. Pittsburgh. East Tennessee. D.C. Pittsburgh. Northern Virginia. Okay, so they're from different places, four different states. And um, and I just part of the reason I did this was to show you, like, look, if you do this in your church with where there's community and relationship, it just accelerates it all the more. But I wanted to show you that you can do this with people that don't even really know each other and still be effective, <coughs> all right? But in a church community, it just ratchet. Come on in. Grab a seat if you like. Um, so the only key, the only common link here is me. I know them, all right? So that's, that's the common link here. And um, so discipleship journey, if you don't know what it is, there's a few things here for you to know. It's scripturally sound. It, it's been proven. Again, we've used it for a dozen years worldwide. There's a process that um, I want to introduce you to. Let me skip ahead here and show you. Um, this is the process that we use um, in, in what we're doing at Discipleship Journey. So people who are trained to lead this, this is the process we train them in. So here's the short version of this. Revelation, obedience, transformation. Okay? What do I mean by revelation? Revelation is, there's a difference between facts and revelation. That's really an important understanding. All right? Facts would be something like you're reading through the book of Esther and you realize her name's, uh, God's name's not even mentioned once. Isn't that? And let, look at what God isn't. You see, it, it, that's a fact. God's not, name's not even mentioned once in the book of Esther. Now, some of you, that's your greatest takeaway for the whole couple days you're lying to right? So that's a fact. Revelation, in the, it, it gives the meaning in the New Testament of this, the parting of curtains. Oh, I didn't, it's like, once I was lost, now I thought every one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've had revelation at some point in your life because you accepted Jesus Christ. God pulled back the curtains so you could see. Now, when we start growing as followers of Jesus, the main thing we're supposed to focus on is not knowledge. It's not just gaining knowledge. I, I said this in a session yesterday, I don't remember which one, but do you understand the devil knows the Bible really well and he's not transformed? Have you ever thought about that? He's been around a long time. He knows the Bible. Just knowing the Bible doesn't transform you. If it did, we should be the most amazing country in the world spiritually. Because many people know the Bible. It's not about knowing the Bible. It's applying the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you following the difference? Jesus said in Matthew 7, He who hears my words and does them, parentheses, obedience, is a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the tough times come, guess what? It'll stand. Meaning churches, businesses established on the things of God, individuals, families. He who hears my words, same premise. There's no excuse of, well, I never heard. No. He who hears my words and doesn't do that, disobedience, is a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms comes, it's wiped out. Okay? And the whole focus, we have a culture in our country that is a Bible study culture. 
here's, here's by my virtue of experience. One of the greatest hindrances to disciple-making in the United States of America are Bible studies. I'm not saying the Bible. Separate those two. I'm talking Bible studies because here's the typical Bible study. 7 o'clock, people walk in your home, cookies and coffee. 7.15, you sit down, you start talking, you open the Bible. We're in 1 John, you go through 1 John. Quarter after 8, you close it, someone close in prayer, and nobody asks those two questions. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? How are you going to obey this in your life? We don't do that. And so we gain knowledge of the Scripture, but we're not applying it in our lives. Are you following me? Yes. So I'm not. Thank you back there. So, I, so I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Bible. Don't mishear me. Don't misquote. I'm not saying the Bible. We need the Word of God. It's the foundation to everything we grow in as disciples of Jesus. What I'm saying is our methodology of just focusing on Bible studies doesn't transform us. It's the application of what God shows us from the Scriptures. And so I want you to understand that the methodology that we're learning using for this and that these people here understand is as they were going through this, there's an assigned section. I'll show you what it was here in a minute. There's a assigned section. I asked them to watch a 12 to 15 minute video and take an hour with their Bible and jump into a certain section so we could do this live. We've not spoken together about what God has shown them. But I had them all walk through something in the last few days. And so what the question I'm going to ask them is, you know, what on the bottom there, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? In other words, while you're going through this material, and you're going to be amazed because they all went through the same, was it two pages? Two pages. Two pages. They went through the same two pages, but you're going to see how different their applications are. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is personal. He knows what Todd needs. He knows what Jody needs. And my role as a disciple maker is not, let's get through the frickin' curriculum. <laughs> my job is to listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing in Todd as he's sharing. Because when the Holy Spirit puts truth in, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Holy Spirit's going, see, that's what I'm doing in him. Help him. Guide him. Encourage him. Pray for him. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, we've reduced every we've reduced truth to just information, and truth is never just to be information. It is information, but it's also meant to be something applied to our lives. All right. So, so when God reveals something, and, and again, let me just say it this way: when God reveals something, it's never meant to be negotiated. It's meant to be obeyed. Like would God, would Father, Son, and Holy Spirit commiserate amongst themselves to tell Todd? Todd, I want you to move to East Tennessee and then just go, that's just a joke, but let's see what he does. Of course not. If God reveals this to him and his wife Hillary, that they're to move the, their five kids to East Tennessee and they believe they've heard from God on that, that's non-negotiable. That's not what we like Franklin better. Or I just want to be around Dave. <laughs> No. When God reveals something, it's meant to be obeyed. But see, we have not created a culture of that. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. There's a culture Amen. of obedience that we need to that that is required. Jesus said in Matthew 28, you know, go make disciples. We know that. Teaching them to obey. Like if I was to summarize what it means to be a follower of Jesus, it's someone who loves and obeys Jesus. Okay? It's that simple. Um, when Jesus said, if you love me, obey me, you need to realize, and you have to look at me to see this, I think that when he said this, this is what it would have looked like. If you love me, you'll obey me. It wasn't, if you love me, you'll prove it by your obedience. But see, sometimes we've grown up in legalistic, rigid environments where our whole obedience is just to prove our love for God. He loves me. 
He laid his life down for me. I, I don't have to prove anything. I just need to obey my Father as he leads and guides me. And so by revelation, what we mean by that is simply when God reveals something to you. Like, for example, we're not talking about this today, but let's just say it was um, the conversation on forgiveness, and we're dealing with forgiveness. It's not unusual that, say, a berry might down there. Don't read into any of these illustrations about these people's lives. But, but let's just say berry down there. You know, berry, maybe with berry it is, um, you know, wow, the Lord showed me I have bitterness towards my dad. And I, I need to forgive my dad. Okay. All right. We, we might be in that same session on relationships. And now let's say it's Tiffany. And Tiffany goes, you know what? And don't read in this because she's really good at this. But she just goes, you know what? I never even knew what it meant to submit to my husband. Had no idea what in the world that means. And by the way, the Bible tells us that a man should lay down his wife for his life so that... It's easy. It's easy to submit. Like one of the greatest hindrances to wives submitting to their husbands is that godly men have not learned to lay down their lives for their wives. Whenever you do that, like I'll never forget when Cheryl, my wife, had back surgery, and I had to take a, uh, about ten days off and just tend her from the day of surgery till she was, you know, about ninety percent. And at the very end of that time, she just had me sit at the end of. She came and said, "Just sit here at the end of the bed," and I did. And she said, "I want. I need to say something to you." She said, you just need to know when you serve me, like you have the last 10 days, it make, makes me want to follow you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is that not the kingdom of God? Why do we follow Jesus? Because what you've done for me makes me want to follow you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Out of love. Okay. And so one of the things that we need to understand in this process is it's guiding people into obedience. All right? Like, like <coughs> I, don't, I haven't spent as much time with Joey and Tiffany I've recently met, but the rest of these guys, I've walked with enough that I can, I gotta tell you, one of the greatest joys in me is watching them obey. And then a greater joy is watching the fruit that comes from it. Okay, I'm gonna pick on Todd. Todd's on my team. And when Todd first came to me, um, total passion for God and a humility to learn. But he hadn't learned a lot about the ways of God. And so when I asked him, when he used to be an executive pastor at a church and you know, I asked him at one point in time, and he's we're very good at that. And he's, he's a consultant now with Ficus. Uh, it's his company, and he consults with people and helps them be able to kind of take where they are to where the next leg of the journey is supposed to go. Some of you maybe need to talk to him when you're done. Um, so I asked Todd, I said, Todd, lady, do you need help? Yes. This is my wife, by the way. <laughs> 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 um, um, you for a moment, you're going, oh, he's being rude. <laughs> um, and so I said, Todd, did you ever wait on the Lord before you made decisions in your church? He's basically summarizing. He said, no, we whiteboarded everything, just made the best decision we could and prayed over it. That's not how a man or a woman of God makes a decision biblically. You wait on the Lord. What God initiates, he permeates. What you initiate you have to sustain. This is why people are worn out. Because we initiate things, ask God to bless it. Do you know there's nowhere in the Bible that teaches that? Where you make up something, I want to do this for God, we bless that. It doesn't work that way. That's like a huge penalty flag. The ways of God are you wait on the Lord. He always leads, you and I always follow. That's why we're called followers of Jesus. Noah, build an ark. Joshua, walk around Jericho. Do you ever see someone say, God, you do this and bless? It's not there. 
It's not there. God always initiates. We follow his lead. Even even little David, shepherd boy David, by obeying his father, he this, God used that to position him where he needed to be, where he took on Goliath. All right? And so his dad initiated something. He was obedient to that. And, and one of the things we have to realize is we don't have cultures of obedience, often in family life or in churches. And again, I want to make sure you understand what I mean here by obedience. It's simply following the Lord, following, walking in truth. I don't mean obedience like, doggone it, Sonia, how many times? I'm not talking about some rigid, legalistic, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your heart saying, like Todd was, I'm sold out. I've been whiteboarding. Now, I remember it was a happy day for me when Todd told, told me one day, he said, I've learned through, uh, what's his name's book, I'm Waiting on God. Oh, yeah. I know you're Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray. You know, Todd has just said, I'm not doing anything until I wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. That was a game-changing day for me in my pouring into Todd because I knew he's got, I don't got to worry about that anymore. He's going to wait on the Lord before he moves. He's going to wait on the Lord. And, and that's not a habit we've cultivated. It's just brain contains information. Let me deduct. Uh, that's wise. Let's do that. Are you guys with me? Am I losing you? I know this is after lunch. All right, so I'm just just checking. All right. Hey, there's a, hey, there's a couple more chairs right up here. These are like the eighty-five dollars seats, but they're free right now. Yeah. <laughs> see you, man. So the process that we're gonna I'm gonna demonstrate and walk through for you here is this. I asked these guys to go through chapter five here in discipleship journey on hearing the voice of God. There's four sessions. One of the sessions is the ways God speaks. Okay? Um, let me just show you what that looks like. So I put these up here for you. So there's much more in the book than that, but that gives you, so as we're talking about it, you can reference that. So I just asked them, I said, would you watch the 12 to 15 minute video, which is, it, it, it takes about uh, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes on your own a week to do this. When I'm with the men at our church, uh, Grace Chapel in Franklin, I always ask it this way, hey, can you give me 184th of your time? And they look at me like, well, what are you asking me? I said, no, 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 can you give me 184th of your time? I said, so what do you mean? I said, well, let me ask you this. How, what percentage of time do you sleep a week? A third. What percentage of time are you on the job? Somewhere between a fourth and a fifth. How much, how, what percentage watching TV? I don't know, maybe more than I should. All right. Besides <laughs> that, I need 184th of your time, which is two hours a week. Shouldn't be hard, right? 184th of your time. It's a different way to look at it. And what I'm looking at is an hour of you watching a 12 to 15 minute video and then diving in with your Bible to the assigned portion in here. And then the second hour is whether it's weekly or every other week is you're with a small group of people where you're going to do what we do right now. Leading something like this is the easiest thing in the world to do. But you just have to learn how to do it. Is this the only time? No. Todd might call me on Friday after this time. Well, it is Friday. So we'll say Monday. And he might say, hey, you know, we were talking about that. I bumped up against him. Can we talk some more? Absolutely. Then there's availability, but guess what? Because he's shown me what the Holy Spirit's been revealing to him in our group time, I know where to guide him. Okay? Are you following me? Mm -hmm. I know for some of you this is a whole new dynamic because you've been used to, and I don't say this negatively at all, I'm just talking about kind of the Bible study culture where it's it's, we got to know more. we got to know more. And I want to just say we need to know the word, but I would say underneath it, we got to apply the word. That's what causes transformation. Let me just go back to that picture a minute. Okay. The, and so can I say it this way? The only way you actually get to transformation is through obedience. 
Here's the way I like to say it. Obedience is the engine of transformation. And so, so here's just a, an insight for you. So if someone's not obeying something, pause. Instead of putting their foot down on the accel- uh, obedience accelerator, pause and realize they might not have revelation of this yet. They, so stop and just start praying for it. It doesn't mean you need to teach him more. Just do what the Lord shows you, but pray, mostly pray because God is the only one that can give revelation. You can't. Neither can I. As a matter of fact, God does the revelation and the transformation. All that you and I can do is obedience or as disciple makers, guide people into it. Okay? Am I making sense? They left, just before I jump into the modeling the small group questions, is there anything that I'm confusing you on? It's a miracle. All right. All right. So I, I just want you to catch that. So I want you to pretend which state are we going to be in for this? Whose home are we in? We're going to be in Barry's home because I was just there. Okay. We just finished watching. Woo! Vikings 4 0! Yeah! Yeah, that's exactly right. Rush I'm not so excited about that yet. Exactly. That's the right Minnesota response right there. We have, so my roots are Minnesota, so I'm a diehard Vikings fan, which just means I die hard every year, right? So, so what was that? Oh, I didn't hear it. Did, did I hear it? Go Packers? Oh, Darren, could you maybe? Yeah. That's the poison pill. Um, so. Uh, somebody, Barry, came to us yesterday and we were talking about the Vikings being 4-0 and and, and they were like, that's awesome. You guys must, and Barry, both Darren and I were kind of that same thing. It's like, it's awesome, but <laughs> that's a Viking fan for you. All right, so I was just visiting at Barry's home three weeks ago today in Minnesota and uh, we hosted a disciple-making thing with his church where they're doing a great job. And um, so we're going to pretend that we're in Barry's living room and we're all Minnesotans, okay? Don't you know? Can you say, don't you know? Don't you know. No. Okay. All right. So we're all Minnesotans, and let's just say we're all a part of the same fellowship and the same church, and so we've walked together for, this is chapter five, so let's just say we're in our fifth month of being together. We've had meals together at times. We've been to each other's homes because we rotate around. Tonight we happen to be at Barry's home. All right? So we've already had our, our uh, what did you make for us for dinner tonight, Barry? What do we have? Swedish meatballs. Swedish meatballs. <laughs> All right, so we've just, we've just finished the Swedish meatballs. And what did Heidi make for dessert? Or you made for dessert? She makes the dessert. What did she make? Chocolate pie. Chocolate pie. So we've just finished That's Swedish good. meatballs. Man, everybody's salivating. All right. So we've just finished. Yeah, yeah. So we've just finished Swedish meatballs and, and chocolate pie. It's now, we'll just say it, it's quarter to seven. And I know on my clock, we won't, we're not going to go this long, by the way, on this, but I, I know by eight o'clock, these guys need to be out the door because Sonia's kids got to be at school and they're out in the other room playing and Todd's kids. And so we know we've got till eight o'clock and we need to wrap up. All right. So, if we were together, uh, here's where I would start with. I would say, okay, so I want to start with Sonia. Give me 30 seconds. Like, what's the latest in your life? What's been going on? Well, my parents finally went home after living in my house for the last seven and a half months. So, hooray. Um, been taking care of them, as you guys know, medically for the last seven, seven. and a half months. No, Darren told me seven months and ten days. <laughs> Not that you were counting. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So thank you guys for praying and for providing meals, and uh, and I'm I'm glad to be moving on to a new season. George, thirty seconds. Wow, uh, I've been crushed this week. You know, business, business, all kinds of things going on. But we just made plans to uh, fly to Ecuador 
Oh. Yeah, uh, my son became and daughter-in-law became missionaries mm -hmm. in January. Yeah. This will be our first trip, so awesome. I'm looking forward to getting away from the business and, and checking in with them. So just so you guys know, when I do this, I'm just going to kind of have us freeze so I can explain some things to you. Normally, this obviously would not be 30 seconds. Usually, you'd give probably a couple minutes to this. All right, Jody. Yeah, it's fall, so that's my favorite time of the year. So that's something that's exciting, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be a full month this this month. Everything is good, but it's it's going to be tight. Slave driver, uh, Heather. Yeah, yeah, it's Heather's fault. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. It's been crazy. I did something pretty pretty interesting. I bought 16 cows. Never had them before. <laughs> I actually didn't. I realized it's a better idea to have fence up before you buy the cow. <laughs> <laughs> and so this we're obviously not in Minnesota right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a little bit intense. I've last I've been fencing a lot, and like the last few nights, I I can't even sleep on my stomach. I normally sleep on my stomach. I have to sleep on my back because I can't lift my arms up. <laughs> but uh, but the good news is is they're all there and everything's good to go. That's so awesome. Oh man, my sixteen cows. <laughs> Tim. Um, sold my house last month, getting acclimated to the apartment, downsizing, so. And I heard uh, Cheryl told me you have a dog downstairs. A, a little, yeah, loud dog with the neighbor <laughs> downstairs. So. That's a prayer point. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Tiffany? Well, I am going through college application process with my oldest daughter right now, so we've been through it once. Tell them how many kids you have. Um, I have eight children, uh, so... My they're all in the other room. Are they quiet? <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking through that, that process again. We're in our eighth week of homeschool, so it's going good, but it, it's full right now. Sounds like it. Barry? Well, life is busy, uh, but the biggest news in my life is probably the fact that we just got rid of bats in our home. Nice. Uh, we had uh, we had one that strafed my wife, Heidi. That's um, precious. Yeah, a while ago, and so she has not. I think it's been about a year or so since maybe she's been down to the basement, and so we just uh, we just spent a, a fair bit of money. I didn't know how expensive this was, but uh, if you if you have bats, I know how to get rid of them. Uh, actually, I know who to pay to get rid of them. That's been a victory in our home, and we're we're rejoicing right now. Okay, so time out a minute. So just so you guys know. Um, Barry is a pastor, an outreach pastor in his church in Minnesota. Tiffany and Kendricks are a bit in transition, but but uh, military background, uh, but uh, very much now involved in some ministry expressions. There's actually a movie that they're involved with that comes out called I'm Not Ashamed. That's the Rachel Scott Columbine story. It comes out October 21. And so just kind of pay attention. That's a great thing, particularly to take teenagers and young adults to, because it's a stark reality of the need to be committed to Jesus in light of the world we're living in. So they're involved in that and amongst other things. Tim is a, an attorney in Pittsburgh. Uh, Todd, uh, as I mentioned, runs a, um, a consultant company, Ficus. And uh, Jody works with Heather Zempel, who spoke in our last session as her assistant. George is pioneering a, a new business um, that he's involved in, business guy in Pittsburgh. Sonia has been involved for years in the media, uh, ABC World News correspondent, and correct, I got that. <coughs> And um, the last nine years, stay-at-home mom to raise her two children. All right, so just so you know kind of who you're, it's not like all just the same kind of people. I want to show you the mixture of folks that we have here, okay? 
All right, so we've finished, you know, maybe 15 minutes of introduction, so I've mentally noted as the leader some points of prayer, especially for the calendar here. All right, <laughs> points of prayer for, for later, all right, for later when we close. So we are now shifting to our content, all right? And so as I do this, the question that I will always ask is, with not pointing anybody out so everybody knows they can jump in as they want to, but so what did the Holy Spirit reveal this week to you as you were in the Word through your discipleship journey content? And by this they mean, I mean, not what did I learn, and let me just quote for you. What I mean is, what did the Word of the Lord part curtains? And you can tell when it's revelation because it demands a response. Okay? Versus just a fact. Right, so what did the Lord reveal to you guys this week in um, hearing the voice of God? This is what they well, this is what they were looking at, some of the ways God speaks. Well, I'll go. Uh, you know, going through this this week, I, I noticed, I think, uh, as I went through the different ways that God speaks, that what, what's really stood out to me as maybe sometimes the most consistent and significant ways that God has spoken to me has been through circumstances <coughs> and through people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I you know I, I've thought about this over the last couple of years now, and this is kind of putting it together. How uh, through some of the years of my life where I don't think I was walking as closely with the Lord as I could have been, those were years in which I did not have people in my life mm-hmm. that were speaking into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, at one point I remember thinking that there was uh, there, there was a period of many years where the last person to speak into my life and to lovingly rebuke me about something, we talked about this the other day, was you. Which was how many years ago? So they About 23. And, and I went through a period of time where I was going to church. I was, I was loving God. I, I absolutely loved God. But there were areas in my life that just were not working out. And I look back on that and I think, you know, I was, I was doing that all by myself. And I was not asking for godly counsel. I did not have other men um, or leaders in my life who were walking with me through some of these things. And, and I wanted to do the right thing, but I wasn't because I didn't know how. And I was missing hearing the voice of God. And, you know, I look back, and that was a lot of pride in my life. I think I, I, think I didn't want to admit some of the mistakes that I was making as a man, as a husband, in managing certain areas of my life. And so instead of listening to, I, I, I say I was ignorant, but I think it was, a, it was a willful ignorance because what I really wanted to do was to do it by myself. So I think I'm seeing how significant it is for me to have other people in my life that are speaking into me. Nice. Very good. What else? What are the things that the Holy Spirit was revealing this week? Well, last week, uh, you, you kind of challenged us. You said, uh, when was the last time we heard from God? Mm-hmm. And uh, then, when's the last time you paused to hear from God? And uh, as I shared earlier, I've been busy, busy, busy. And, um, you know, we can't hear from someone if we don't get quiet. Mm-hmm. If, if uh, you know, if we're busy all the time, and something came real clear to me, is that if we're running around from one thing to another, we're always in a hurry. And Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. So, um, so I started reflecting on that and um, didn't realize that God wants to really talk to us in so many different ways. And uh, um, I know personally I need to carve out some things. I need some margin in my life. I, I'm at 120% and not ready for you know, when Jesus and God wants me. Um, I, I want to be at 80%, so I'm ready. 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So let me just call a timeout before we go. So at this point in time, where I may go with this conversation is I may co-op it just for a few minutes and, and reinforce the point that George was making. And I might actually ask each person group, and uh, like a by the way, intentionally making a point, but by the way, I might say, hey, in your day, where do you spend your time with the Lord? Mm-hmm. That might be my way of saying, are you doing this regularly? Without saying it directly. But I, but it lets me listen to them to kind of find out where they where they are. All right? I'm not going to do that right now. All right? But that's a place where I may go. All right? Time back in. All right? What else? What other things is the Holy Spirit revealing to you on this topic? Um, I'll, I'll share. Um, I was reading this this week. I was also reading. I read a quote um, from Elizabeth George. She was talking about how... Um, bank tellers in a particular town how when they were going through their training um, they were not given any counterfeit bills they just strictly handled real money so that if they encountered a counterfeit they would know the difference and the correlation that that I could see was that for me I need to be so familiar with the truth that I can't be fooled by a lie and so that comes by handling the word, by obeying yeah. the word, but it was just the parallel. Because I, I read those things, I mean, yeah. not in the same sitting, but that yeah. really just stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. so the Lord used what you were doing in his word here, and again, it's building that inner scaffolding of truth where then he can add to it. Yeah, that's awesome. Very good. I don't know, for me it was, uh, you know, five kids and this whole new venture that we have. You know, waiting on God's been always a big thing that you shared earlier. But like when I went through this, there was something you said in the video, and then I reinforced in here where it was like abiding in peace. Mm-hmm. To where I would honestly say that I don't know if I really ever understood like what that meant and really almost what that felt like. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're you're asking God for things and maybe they're not happening, but yet you look at your circumstance and there's this like. I know I'm in the right spot, though. Mm-hmm. And there's just that peace. And for whatever reason, you know, that that verse in Colossians 3.15, it just really, like, I don't know, it really spoke to me in a deep way to where I was, like, just so thankful for for that peace. Yeah. And I don't think I've really felt that before. So, you know, just time out. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word rule there is the same word we get in baseball for umpire. Safe or out. And so Cheryl and I uh, have made a commitment in our near 34 years of marriage now that we don't move forward unless together we have peace on it. If one of us does not, it just it doesn't mean it's done. It means it's backburnered until both of us have a sense of peace on it. When we both have peace, then we move forward together. All right. So yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, because the abiding in that peace like that in your life, once you and, and I know this is weak. I don't, but I don't know how else to say it. I like to say when I think of hearing the voice of God, what's it feel like spiritually inside? Because then once I identify that, oh, that's what, oh, Mm -hmm. then it becomes like a navigation tool for me that I can find peace again in a situation. And when the Lord doesn't want me to have peace because he doesn't want me to do it, I know it feeling fussed up. Mm -hmm. But I can go, this is fussed up, this is peace, the Lord doesn't want us to move forward. And I can do, this is that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. What else? I kind of feel like I'm along the same lines with George, a bit like in the busyness and um, hearing other people talking about the weight. I've been learning to wait as a discipline. Like I can enter into praying or fasting or, or 
those other disciplines a lot easier, but it is a lot harder for me to step into the tension of waiting um, without like knowing what will come on the other side. And, um, and so I feel like these this week it really just um, re-emphasized um, what the Lord has already been speaking to me about that um, in Isaiah 30 where it talks about blessed are those who wait and um, thinking of, I was reading Exodus 32 too, like as um, it was in the wait that people created the golden calf and so I had to ask myself like how many times do I create answers um, in the tensions because I don't want to wait uh, or how many times do I I, I asked a question here. Do I trade long-term blessings and prosperity found in the wait for immediate gratification? Um, and so it's just been something that I've been processing wow. this week. <clears throat> That's awesome. That's good stuff. Eh? Mm-hmm. It is good stuff. <coughs> Although you're not really here, so we didn't. Darren and I had a conversation this week because, um, as you guys know, we are, you know, we've made the decision to move to Tennessee, long way from Minnesota, um, to join to join Landshare. Um, but you know, we were talking earlier this week about how we have like some spiritual jealousy over people in our lives that we know who like experience some of that supernatural you know, ways that God speaks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like people who say, oh, you know, I had an impression, um, or I, you know, I, um, I had a, I had a word from the Lord, you know, for you, you. or, um, (laughs) I had a, you know, I had a picture, or, um, I felt, you know, I felt this, and it just, like, they just, it just seemed more like a, it's not an audible voice, like, you know, you hear inside this room, but they, they had a voice, and, um, you know, we were in a in a situation where we were just the 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 facts on paper of trying to figure out housing down here was just it was it was frustrating. And when you look at it in a in a um, human way, it, it didn't it didn't add up. And so we were like sitting there, kind of going, you know, I wish I wish we could I wish we could get that voice of God, you know, just. Oh, wouldn't that be so great? Like a finger just showed up and just start drawing on the wall, you know? And um, and I, I, I just I call it spiritual jealousy because you think, oh, I would be so much more certain if I did that, right? Um, but Old Testament shows you that you know, Solomon met the the God two times and still did what he did. Right, so how do I think I'm going to be any different than Solomon, you know, who actually met God um, and and you know built his tabernacle for him? Um, so, you know, I, I would I would agree with you that for me, the way I've always generally have heard God's voice um, has been through other people. A lot of people have um, godly people in my life have. Have given me good words and and um, and waiting on God, but I, I I would have to say for me the convicting part has been um, you talked in the video about how the normal rhythms of life you know sometimes you're reading through the Bible and you're like I'm reading through the Bible but it doesn't really apply to what I'm going through right now like is this you know and you said sometimes the normal readings of the of the daily readings God can speak to me. And the normal readings of what I'm supposed to be do, he can speak to me. And I need to trust that. I need to just be disciplined anyway 
and I'll just confess with you guys, I haven't been. I'm, I'm exhausted, you yeah. know, from having taken care of my parents. And yeah. So I, I have not been really good about 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 being in that in the readings of you know of of doing that. And I need to get back into it yeah. if I really want to hear his voice. Yeah. I can't just like cheat and say. You know, I'm not saying he's never going to speak to me supernaturally, but I'm saying, like, why is he going to offer that to me if I'm not going to do my part? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay, so time out. So I don't know that you can see Sonia here, but there was genuine emotion here. Okay? So as a leader, I'm noting that. Not that I just go by emotion, but there's, you know, when certain emotions start coming, there's often something that they've been carrying, something going on. Sometimes it's a stuck place, whatever the case may be. And so... Now, this would be a place as a leader of this group. I'm making a mental note that you know, and usually unless like if Sonia all of a sudden became a puddle and she's on the floor here weeping, then we would stop the group and pray for her right then. But normally I'll just let that, just let that because that's being honest like everybody else. But I will make a note that when it's time to close and we're praying that we probably need to spend a little more time there. Okay, so I'm making a note of that in my mind. Okay, Tim, how about you? Yeah, this uh, past week or two, I've had some difficult work projects. This one real estate document, I've been trying to finalize draft and craft it. I've just been, my mind has been wandering, just like a mental block on it. And uh, I realized in reading through um, that I hadn't really prayed about it to God. Hmm. And I didn't pray, you know, God, help me on this assignment. And, and there's times with other projects I'll, I'll pray, you know, and, you know, I mean, things will just pop into my mind about how to solve an issue, how to solve a client's problem. And I know it's God and Holy Spirit working within and within me. And, and with this project, I, you know, I just hadn't done that yet. And, and this just kind of, you know, the revelation that something as simple as just praying, yeah. you know, to, to break that barrier. So. That's awesome. So I want to show you guys something. So the content we've walked through together is this and this. Did you notice not one person said the same thing? They went through the same content. You would think, well, we went through the same content. They should be that. No, because the, the structure here is not get through a curriculum so you can repeat back stuff. The, the thing is expose them to God's truth from Scripture and let the Holy Spirit personalize what he's doing in their lives. Now, most of you just sitting here in the room would be able to very quickly kind of discern from what everybody shared how people are doing emotionally, mentally, spiritually, what's on their hearts and minds, just by listening. Uh, a disciple maker has to become a good listener to what the Holy Spirit's doing in and through people's lives. It's not me having to make commentary on every single thing. It's just learning to listen. And sometimes, I, and there wasn't as much in this one, but sometimes I'm listening and there's a red thread, I call it, where there's four or five people that are all sharing the same thing. When I notice that, I go, okay, let's just stop here. Did you guys all notice? And, and then, is, Lord, is there anything you want to say here? Or there might be a time for me just to teach a little bit more on that point. All right? But if you're noticing here, same content, seven different responses. And the content was, is only like a page and a half to two pages. And I want you to note that because the way this is structured is allowing them to listen to what the Holy Spirit has been revealing to them. Now I'm going to go through a second round. So th this will usually take about this amount of time. There might have been a little more time given to this. And of course, if you have a group that's a little larger, you build that in. But usually after about half an hour, 
to 40 minutes of this, I will shift the conversation to this. And so I'm going to do that with you guys here. So, all right, so that, like, each one of you, these were like this moment. God showed you something. So here's part two. How are you going to obey that in your life? So another way you could say that is what's what's your takeaway? But I don't mean takeaway like, yeah, I need to write that in my journal. That was good. I mean takeaway like I'm taking away and doing it. So this is whether you want to call it your action point, your to-do, your takeaway. Or I like to ask the question, which you can't see up there. All right. How are you going to obey this in your life? How are you going to obey this in your life? Okay, so back to our group time. So, gang, every one of those things, in uh, unbelievable revelation. You know, Jody's from years of just saying, okay, am I giving time to this? You know, to Sonia, the place of saying there's a little bit of a struggle here right now on this. You know, to, um, you know, Todd, you know, the place that you're talking about here and, and experiencing peace for the first time. All right, you all shared something different. You know, Tim, just the going to God. You know, on it. So, how are you guys going to apply this in your life? How are you going to obey what the Lord has now revealed to you? Because that wasn't just like, well, that was cool. The Lord of heaven and earth, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was excited when Barry was pressing into him and said, I want to show you this son. So, how, how are you guys going to obey what the Lord has shown you? What's your next obedience point here? Well, I think for me, it's been this. Um, I mean, you know what happened with my wife a few months back, and then. Fill that in if you want. Okay, well, my wife about died on my in my bathroom floor. We had a we lost a child, and some things happened. And I walked in and not good. wasn't good. And so then a few weeks later, you know, the kids were playing out in the yard. I have five kids, and you know, it was like a freak thing. They were just racing, and they ran into each other. And my youngest son, Gavin, like fell on the ground and stopped breathing. And I'm holding him in my arms, and he's turning purple. And so I'm praying, and he comes back, and it's like I look at those things that happen and so close, and just the tragic of almost losing yeah. that. And it's mm-hmm. the last part of Colossians says, "And be thankful." Mm-hmm. So it's of that verse of 3:15. It's that abide in peace and let that rule your life. But then the end of that verse says, "And be thankful." Period. And so for me, my practical application is just like being so thankful for my wife, for my kids, for my for where I'm at and trying to allow that peace to really to really rule. Yeah. Because tomorrow isn't guarantee isn't a guarantee. Yeah. But I get to see these precious lives each day. Yeah. And so that's that's for me my yeah. my goal. That's awesome. So if you know Todd, um, Todd's a different guy now three to four years later. Todd is, uh, by nature, I was wired full speed ahead. He fought for us in our military in the Iraqi war. And, um, you know, very quick to be able to respond and very gifted in that way. And he's had to learn to submit even those skill sets to waiting on God. And so God's doing a, we were talking earlier this week about another topic, but a work of brokenness inside of him to teach him how to yield to God in even greater measures. And so he's talking about it that very thing. So you just need to know his obedience to what God's revealing on a habitual basis has made him a different man to the point that this is quite a while ago now. His wife Hillary said to me, he's a different guy. All right? Because he's been transformed to be more like Jesus. Good stuff. What else? Obedience points. 
Well, as we were, uh, and I was, um, I shared this with Darren, um, yes, last night, but as, as um, I was driving into our neighborhood and down, we had kind of a long driveway, yeah. I was driving down the driveway into our, into our current house, um, I, I looked at it and I realized, you know, this concern I have about, about our living situation when we moved to Tennessee, what we have to do is pray for the perfect house because this is what happened. Because the house that I was driving up to is a house that we have no business living in right now. It's in McLean, like, which is where like Supreme Court justices, you know, and people live. Um, and it's like right near the Potomac River. And we got like this huge deal on it because we moved in the middle of winter. And I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, and so I was like, well, of course, yeah. that that's that's the obedience point. Yeah. Like, I we need to be praying for the perfect house because on paper there's no way that yeah. this is going to happen. Yeah. Um. So that that's my first that's obedience awesome. point. Um. And then the second is you know is super easy. I I I've got to get back into my now that you know my parents are gone and we're back into you know leaving. <laughs> Leave this conference and get back to like some level of normalcy, like back back in the word. You know, get up early before the kids are up, back in the word again. Get into those normal routines and habits. It's really boring. Like you guys will have way more exciting stuff to say than me. But but that's it. That those are the two obedience points for me. So so if you could have seen Sonia's face here, clearly one of the things I'm reading on her face is also when she's sharing about of course. It's kinda of like of course we need to pray. You can tell when the Lord has spoken something to you like that, and you know you can make the turn because there's three things that are always there, faith, hope, and courage. There's faith. It's like all of a sudden, see, that I saw in you, there was, that's a whoosh of faith in the midst of doubt. Whoosh. God imparts faith. And with that faith comes, okay, yesterday it was a little hopeless. Today there's some hope. And it also creates the ability to have courage then to step into something. And that's oftentimes... When the Lord speaks something to you, you know, like in her setting where there's needing of, the, of some of that, it, you don't you don't go pulling this up by your bootstraps. You allow the Holy Spirit to speak something to you, and with that comes faith to be able to move forward. That's awesome, and we're standing with you in that. That's awesome. What else? For me, it's uh, just nothing's too small for God. You know, and I mean, this past week um, with. Hurricane Matthew, we had missionaries um, from Pittsburgh, our church, that were down and stranded in in Haiti. And, uh, you know, we're praying for the Haitians or uh, we're praying for our missionaries. Um, And, you know, those are the big issues, you know, you 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 devote the prayer to. But then, you know, you think of like a work project. It's like, that's just a small thing. But just reminds me to, you know, I think as Paul said, pray unceasingly. Mm-hmm. And so to just pray about you know the small things and the big things. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. Very good. Tiffany Berry, any application points for you guys or disobedience points for you? So I was having a tough time just okay, so handling, you know, being so familiar with the truth, what what is that? What is the Lord asking me to do? It's not just reading 
my Bible and it's obeying the things that I read. And and so maybe that is my obedience point because <coughs> I'm a type A personality. Get it done. <laughs> and logic, I like when things, like pieces fit together and things are like they are supposed to be. And so um, God upsets my logic all the time, which is great, like after the fact. <laughs> it's not, not always too fun. So the battle for me is it's in, in my logic and, and saying, okay, I, I, I hear what you are saying to me, Lord, now, but this doesn't make sense. And just obeying, obeying that in spite of, because something that you said in the video, too, was how obedience has, it has an impact. And conversely, the, what I started thinking about is if obedience has impact, then my disobedience has yeah, impact too. And so yeah. that that was very sobering. <laughs> so I think for me, the obedience point is okay. Even when I, I hear the Lord you know, <coughs> taking it to my husband and, and just not, not getting caught up in logic. So my mother-in-law so rightly told me that I will talk myself out of the will of God, which is oh. true. Wow. I, I will do that. I will just backpedal myself right out of it because it, it doesn't make sense, you know. So anyway, that's that's my that's, opinion. I mean, that contrast between the consequences of obedience and disobedience, that's an awesome picture. Yeah. Bear? One of the things you said in the video was uh, about how God speaks to us in the rhythms of our life. And, and you and I had a conversation when you were in Minnesota about uh, about seasons of life and, and where we're at. And, you know, I'm, I'm 53 years old, and over the last several years I've had a few people in my life that, uh, that, that, that I knew uh, well enough to be impacted by their deaths. And they were all right about my age right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's really opened my eyes. It, it's sobered me. Um, what's funny is it's given me a peace, uh, understanding that, you know, my, my, my days literally are in God's hands. There's nothing I can do to either, to, to change that one way or another. But, but at the same time, it's given, me, uh, it's given me an urgency about my life that I don't think I've had before. And it's a growing urgency. And it's understanding that, uh, that I think these years that I have left, however many they are, 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 are meant to be the most important of my life. And I want to make the most of them. And... You know, talking about the way that God has spoken to me uh, through uh, through people, especially, uh, I, I think it's all the more important uh, at this point in uh, my life and uh, and in Heidi's life and in our life together as a couple that that we are pursuing the things that we're supposed to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I felt, you know, it's funny. I uh, I remember not long after Heidi and I got married in '86, I remember God speaking to us when, when He called us out of YWAM. He said, I want you to get your house in order. And we thought he meant that he wanted us to leave missions for a while, get our support base ready, and then come back into missions. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. You know, that was that was over 30 yeah. years ago. Uh, it's been interesting that I feel he's been saying the same thing to us now, uh, that he wants us to get our home in order, our house in order, in order for us to be able to be effective in what he's calling us to in future seasons of our life. Yeah. And so I, I guess my obedience point, our obedience point really I think is is to really begin to intentionally seek him and wait on him and to prepare ourselves by, by doing some of the things that we need to. He's been speaking to us about our finances. 
Uh, he's been speaking to us to way, uh, about the way that we manage our time, uh, and even uh, even for me about my health. I, I'm diabetic. Um, uh, I'm an insurance nightmare uh, in some ways, and uh, and I've just felt the Lord saying, you know, Barry, um, uh, there's a work that you have to do here as well. Uh, I'm going to take care of you, and your days are numbered, but. But, but, but I want them to be good days, and you play a role in that. So I think our obedience point really is, uh, is allowing the Lord to, uh, uh, to, to speak to us about the season that we're in and making sure that we are doing what we're supposed to prepare ourselves for, uh, for really what should be the most fruitful years of our lives. That's awesome, Barry. So it's some more seeking and waiting. You guys, um, I don't have time to get into all the teaching of this, but something my wife and I do, and which you know these guys are all aware of, so I would tell them if they weren't in our group, is twice a year, Sean and I do prayer retreats where we'll get away for two days and we'll seek the Lord very specifically about things. Cheryl's an artist. She's known as the Kona Coffee Artist. You can go to konacoffeeartist.com and see what she does. But she paints with Kona Coffee. And so she makes it, boils it on the stove, it becomes a sludge, and then she... Uh, just, oh, maybe I'll throw something up when we're done. And then she paints with it like watercolor. It's, she's one of about a dozen people in the world that do this. And so we asked the Lord specifically, like, Lord, what are you saying this year about that? And, and one year the Lord said, inventory. So Cheryl knew, okay, I need to paint like a wild woman. And so just build inventory. And well, part of that was because the next year she was to enter some of that into the Kona Coffee Festival art show where she won a blue ribbon. You know, and so the Lord knew that was coming. We didn't, but she obeyed and she was prepared when that time came. Okay, and so uh, I just want to encourage you for, for my speaking travel, for our, what we do at our church, through what we do at Lion Share. Shall I specifically wait on the Lord? And what that means is we get quiet, we prepare our hearts, confess sin, make sure we're good, so our hearts are clean. We lay aside our own thoughts and imaginations. It talks about in Corinthians. We resist the enemy in the name of Jesus because he wants to interfere. Now, guess whose voice is left? God's. And simple childlike faith, we will wait quietly and we'll ask the Lord a question. Lord, what are you saying to us about this? And maybe two, three, four minutes go by. We know when we're done because we're looking at each other. That's our cue. And then one of us will say, what would you get? And we'll share. And the other, what did you get? And we'll share. And we'll, okay, so we got 80% of What about this 20? I don't know. Let's go back and ask about that. And after spending two days doing that, can I tell you there's something sweet about hearing from God and being in unity as a couple. And so our, the rest, usually first of the year in the summer we do that. So the rest of the year, those are our marking points. doesn't mean we don't pray the rest of the year. It's just that's our kind of our uh, mile markers. All right? And so that's part of the way that we process. Like what Barry's talking about, that's one of the things that Shell and I, if we were in that space, we'd say, okay, prayer retreat. That's my responsibility to remember that. Let's bring that up, and let's, let's make sure we pray about that. Okay? We've got two more here, and then we're going to close. I think that for myself, I... Um it's so easy, like, at my age to be able to, like, see glimpses of, like, how God might use me in, in the future. And so I, like, want to pursue after I'm such a doer that I'm like, oh, okay. Like, but um, realizing more and more that while I might do it, it feels almost like a hamster on a wheel. Like, I'm just, excuse me, working out of my own effort. And so um, as I was going through this... Um, I've kind of been exploring, like, maybe I should do, like, a little side business with some of, like, the things that I love to do mm -hmm. and some of the passions and the giftings. Um, but as I was going through and reading the scriptures on waiting, um, just really felt like the Lord just told me, like, Jody, I want more calluses on your knees before you have calluses on your hands. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I've decided to put a pause on all of that mm -hmm. um, and just wait. 
Um, and so I don't know what will come up on the other side. And um, but I'm I'm gonna pause. That's good. Sorry. And you know, between obedience and transformation is often trust. Right. Because God's the only one that can bring the transformation, but your obedience allows that to be an engine to move towards that. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, though the outcome remains the same, the income becomes right. valuable. That's awesome, Jody. George? Well, I, I came prepared tonight just to talk about my schedule, and I need to cut things out. But um, I, I just look forward to this every week because of the relationships that, that we've been building and the transparency. And um, I walk away from tonight with so much more than I had um, you know, before I came. And everyone's sharing here. The one thing that comes to mind that my antenna needs to go up, but I need to be more sensitive to how God does want to talk today. You know, it's not just prayer, but it's people and circumstances. And, uh, and, and sharing and time is the most valuable thing we have you know we can make more money but we can't make more time so we need to take a look at how we're using how much time are we spending with our family and truly appreciating and ta- you know that was a, you know, yeah. really impactful uh, you know to take a look at you know, personal lives and say how much time am I spending with my family and yeah. really appreciating and um, so everybody you know thank you you know the, the stories that you have certainly impact me yeah thank you Okay, now I just want to make a few observations as we close, and then we'll have a couple minutes for questions. Is this supposed to be done at 45? Yeah. Okay, so let me just make some observations. Number one, same content, everybody different. Did you guys notice that? Everybody different in how they're responding because the Holy Spirit's personalizing. My role as a, as a facilitator is just to guide people in this process. Now, I don't have to go to Todd and say, well, Todd, you said you need to, I just need to ask him, hey, so how's that going? Hey, Barry, did you and Heidi get away yet? Was the Lord saying anything to you? And I'm, in, I'm guiding them into obedience. All right? The second thing I want you to know is remember, some of these people had never met each other before. And yet I want you to see, based on the principle of doing this, look, how, look what happened. There were intimate moments shared, vulnerable moments shared. I didn't ask them, be vulnerable. I never said that to them. <laughs> I just know because they know this process and have been applying it in their lives, this would come through. But I just want you to know that. Now imagine how ratcheted up that would be when you're in the community with the same people over months. The depths that you can plumb. So I just want you to notice that. That's a really important takeaway from this. So the, the, the ways of God, of how God reveals something. Noah, build an ark. He obeys transformation. Joshua, walk around the walls. That's the revelation. Okay, I'm going to obey that transformation. And transformation can happen both in us and through us. All right? So all these folks, when we hug and say goodnight and they walk out, you know, I walk out to a Barry's house, you know, as we set it up that way, we walk out that night, all of us know what our takeaway is. And then the next time that we gather, well, maybe we're having cookies and stuff, I'm informally checking in with people, or I may at the start of the next group say, hey, let's just take five, ten minutes Last week you shared about this, how's that going? Okay, I would have ended, by the way, this evening with prayer. I would have said, hey, make sure you guys listen to each other and let's couple up or in triples pray for each other here and let them really go after it and pray for each other. Okay, But do you see that if you did something like this, like in, in our case with our tool that we use over a period of a year and you apply one thing of your in your life for 48 weeks, that's called a transformed life. It's disciplined. It's intentional, it's a lot of fun, it's full of relationship, but it's obeying what God is showing us to do. That's how transformation comes. Okay? 
questions. So we just got 10 minutes. So questions on the process, questions on the tool, questions. What questions do you have? Or questions you want to ask them as they went through this? Yes, young lady back there who used to be in my youth group 30 years ago. Yes. <laughs> and berries. Yeah, and berries too. That's right. Um, I just wonder because we're planning to take our whole leadership team through these things. Yep. Uh, how large is too large, and is it wise to split the group? Um, what about the idea of disciple making, male and female mixed? How do you prepare boundaries for that, and is that a whole other conversation? No, no, so let me start, but then if you guys, some of you are leading groups or have led groups, so I'll let you speak into this as well. So let me just address the male-female thing. I have no problem. I do this all the time with men and women together, but when it comes to, uh, you know, if it's a more intimate topic, like let's just say, you know, let's just say very um, confessed sin, and it was more of a male kind of sin. What I might do when it comes to the, prayer time is I might say, hey, Sonia, could you take the ladies and just kind of be on point over there? And I'll hey, guys, let's go over here. And so when it comes to application that's a little bit more intimate or personal that I feel, oh, this just needs to be, I'll just do that. And um, and so if Cheryl's with me, Cheryl can just be on point or, you know, one of the ladies that I know of that. So that's the way I kind of divide and conquer that. The men use this, women use it, men and women use this, couples use it, uh, youth groups use it. Um, college groups use it. Um, there are some senior groups that use it. So it's as someone said to us when they were using the tool, they said, this is like every follower of Jesus tool, isn't it? I said, yeah, though it was made that way. So basically anyone who's a teenager on up could use this tool. Okay. How about you guys? Just Do any of you want to respond when Lisa said, like, how, how big is too big? Like, let's just answer that question. What size groups do you guys use? I've, mean, only, ever, I've only ever led it online. Like, I've never done a live, um, like, in-person group. I feel like if you did it in person, the group could probably be a little bigger. Um, online, I think over six is too much. Yeah. Um, because it's just too many faces on screen, technological stuff going on, and you just, you lose intimacy, you you know, it just goes on too long. And I feel like if you want to keep it about an hour, um, which is, I think, a nice amount of time that, you know, anybody can kind of commit to, then that's a that's a good amount of time, um, but maybe in person you could you, you might be able to, to get away with with more than that. Um, so. George, like average size of your group? Eight to ten. Okay, eight yeah, to ten. Let's go. I had eleven. And did that work okay? Kendra's gets back there. Her husband. Yeah, he had eight. <laughs> you had eight. You had eleven. Tim, I have uh, five guys right now. But what I'm finding is. For me, that number is probably the max because I want to be more intentional about relationships yeah. with each of them. And so with a busy schedule and trying to schedule time with, with each of them, I think that number just for me works. Very. We have six, including me. And okay. I would say six is a great number for us. And I, I agree with Tim. I, I, uh, I think if I had more than that, it would be difficult for each of the men to really be able to share their hearts and share what's going on. I think I might feel a little bit more rushed. So, under 10. Yeah, under 10 is good. There's times because of leadership things I do, I'll have to do groups of about a dozen, but I've learned how to kind of do that uh, without cheapening it because I can follow up individually with them. But for sure, a dozen or less, but I would agree six to eight. And you heard some of them say five or six is better for them. When Sonia mentioned online, um, we do a lot of discipling online. And what we mean by that is imagine they watch the video, they go through the same thing. But on, on Zoom, we use Zoom a lot. 
it happened. I did this with a group of artists here from Nashville because they were all traveling. So some of them were on their tour buses at every Wednesday, every other Wednesday at four o'clock Central Time, no matter where they were. They had done this on their own, and we had the same kind of conversation in an hour on Zoom. So if you go, I've got some friends in another state, go for it. Go for it. I mean, use the technology for disciple-making purposes. David, All right? Yeah. And we've got, uh, we've got a women's group at our church of about six women, and one of them recently moved and was just heartbroken that she wouldn't be able to be part of the group. And so she, I think, either Zooms or Skypes in now from wherever she's at, but from a remote place, along with the five ladies that, that are there alive. So they can finish together. That's awesome. Questions? Two questions. One of them I think is probably uh, answered pretty quickly. The first one is, uh, will you ever, uh, in the midst of that conversation, somebody brings up, like he brought up Colossians, will you ever say, hey, you know what? Let's grab our Bibles and open up Colossians. Yeah. You, I'm, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, secondly is, I've learned, talk about the ways of God, that oftentimes uh, God works in seasons. Yeah. And, 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 and um, one of the challenges I've had, I love this method. I plan on using it uh, with my men's group. Uh, but I'm work, my concern is, oftentimes the Lord won't necessarily, I think you'll hear what I'm saying is, give us specific action steps every seven days. And I would be, work, uh, my concern is that uh, over the course of a couple months, the expectation is every week I've got to hear from the Lord and He's going to give me an action step. And that that begins to... Uh, <coughs> You, do you, do you yeah. That question? In other words, you can get overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. The people yeah. get overwhelmed. Like, okay, yeah. you know, with my actions up this week, and all of a sudden it becomes like, I, I want to champion obedience, love, love-based obedience. Yeah. It's yeah. Our, God's love language is obedience. Yes, that's right. Uh, but I also want to follow the natural rhythms that I think God tends to lead us. Yeah. How do you balance that tension? Yeah. So the thing, that's a great question. Thank okay. you for asking that. Okay. So the thing that I have found is I've never bumped into that as a challenge. I've always bumped into that as God in the way he's made us because he knows we're walking. He layers. So I, I've never had anybody say, for Pete's sake, I got 36 <laughs> obedience points. Because, because the reality, you know, when God asks you to do something, he also gives you grace to do it. And because they're different topics. So here Barry's talking about, I think Heidi and I need to go back to the Lord and wait on him on some things. Well, then the next subject, what's chapter 6, is the disciples' disciplines. And it might be that the biggest takeaway from that chapter for Barry was, I need to just cultivate in my own times of the Lord worship. Okay. Well, the next chapter is on relationships. And it might be that the loudest thing was on honoring one another. And he might just go, you know what? I just need to be more purposeful in my relationships to honor people. See, they're different categories. So they're not just like piling on. And, and I think the Lord loves because here's the thing I've seen the more you're willing to obey the more he gives you and the more you change the more you're transformed and we have such an anti-obedience culture that it's just so to be honest for me if, if there's a let's say in a given month there's four things that are shared you know but each person there's two that they're walking in really well that's a huge win to me yeah. like I think another thing is is like so I, I help a lot of churches do this I would say that might be the first time I've ever heard that as a question. Yeah. Um, because, but it's not an, it's not something that I guess if, if the focus is on action steps, we're starting at the wrong place. Mm-hmm. The focus is on hearing the, um, what, what the Holy Spirit's revealing to you. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever your first question or thought comes about the action steps, you're missing the most important piece, which is, you no, know, your your goal is that you want your people to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit speaking to them. 
And then your goal is to pray to the Holy Spirit and to God to help them reveal what do you want me to do, Lord. And it's a completely different paradigm than people thinking that they're going to have all these things that they have to do. That's, that's why Bible studies don't work, is because we focus on doing and memorizing but not applying. But if we focus on hearing the voice of God and then asking him, Lord, what would you have me do with this? It's a game changer. Yeah. Like I would love to be like overwhelmed by things that God's telling me to do. Right, and so that's it's just different. That's a great. It's a great question. I, it I, is. It's I, the first I, time I've heard it that way. Me too. I mean, in doing this twelve years, that's the first time anybody's ever asked that question. So either we're ignorant, or, <laughs> or it's just it's really good for me to have that on my radar. So I appreciate you asking that. But I think what Todd was saying is true. It's just you're focusing on, okay, Lord, I'd be happy to do that. You know, but that thank you for asking. That's really good. Yeah. So instead of moving on, like. What you're saying, okay? Say the next week somebody says, "Man, we've struggled this week from what the Lord revealed to us last week, but He's still with us. He's still saying, yep. hang in there, keep yep. pressing on.'" You say, "Cool, yeah." That's well, and a lot of times, like how I lead it, and I learned this from Dave, is like, so when we go through this, I literally tell people when they're when they're going through it, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, you're done. Yeah. Like I don't care that you finish pages. You know, one through eight. Yeah. Like, I want you to come to this meeting with what the Holy Spirit spoke yeah. to you. So, within the first yeah. two minutes, you just got a huge download. I want you writing, and then that is your prayer point. You're done. Yeah. This isn't about accomplishing that yeah. chapter. Yeah. It's about hearing what God is Yeah, it's encountering God. And we're trying to get people to encounter the Lord because that's what brings transformation. Okay. So, um, did you have your hand up? Are you sure? Okay, uh, so <laughs> do you have a mechanism for onboarding someone new who might want to come, or is it kind of shut while you're meeting? That's the first part. The second part is, would you do this with like an atheist or an unbeliever or a pagan? Um, this would, could you do it with someone who doesn't know the Lord? Sure you could, if they were hungry. If it was just trying to convince someone, I don't know that that would, unless the convincing was watching this, and they go, wow, hi, wow, wow. Okay, then that's that's different. This is basically for, I think, people who are wanting, who are hungry to grow in the Lord. And so I would say if the unbeliever is hungry to grow and know the things of God, they'd be welcome to be a part. Especially, imagine them being a part of this group. If there's one or two of them, but you got this group surrounding them, loving them, praying, explaining God to them, it'd be awesome. What was the other one? Uh, onboarding someone new who might want to come. Okay. Uh, yeah, so here's that's, So he's asking, can someone jump on board if you're halfway through? So in our church, Alani's not here right now, but in our, Alani leads one of our discipleship journey groups in our church. So in a local church, you have this issue because, you know, people, let's say we start in September, they're ready to go into chapter five on hearing God's voice and it's January and they just moved here from Michigan. We always say to them, just jump on board. You're going to go through discipleship journey, chapter five through 12, one to four. In other words, there's no, the order it was put in was chapter one to six is your walk with God. Seven to 12 is more your, your relationship with the world around you. All right. But if you just choose to do one at a time, it's fine. Like in California, it's so funny to me. Sorry, I don't mean to offend any Californians. Sonia was a Californian for a while, so was I. <laughs> but, but they will call and they'll say, I love this, but how am I going to convince someone to give a year of their lives? Well, first I'll say, well, just, just a little hint. Jesus had them give three. Anyway, and then I'll move on. But, but I'll just say to them, do this. Just do three months. Take a month off. Or take the summer off. But make sure they're committed to go through the whole thing at the beginning. So do three months. To, and then I said this. And matter of fact, 
just when you're first together, hand these out and say, okay, I want you guys the next week till we're together to be praying about which chapter you want to start with. So they literally picked when the first chapter when they were done. She said, okay, what's the next one you want? Uh, this one. So they went through all 12 chapters completely out of order. But the end result was they got the same thing. So we built it so it's in, it's incredibly flexible. And let me just say this, and you need to go. It's 11 or 145. So if you want help on this, contact us. Lionshare.org is the website. Info at lionshare.org is the way you can reach us via email. Info at lionshare.org. We didn't address this, but there's a whole video component to this. There's, tw- there's 48 12 to 15 minute videos that you can get one of three ways. DVDs. But if you're going to do it with a larger church, I'd encourage you to talk to Todd about what we call our, our online platform, where we build it so it's on your website. It looks like your discipleship thing. And people click on it, and they put in whatever passcode you, you give them, and when they open it, there's all 48 videos, which is cool, because let's say over three years you've started 15 groups. They're all in different places. It doesn't matter. They all go to your website, and they go find the video their group needs. And if businesswoman happens to be in San Jose in a hotel, she can still watch it and still do it. And the third way is we have an app. We actually put out the first discipleship app on iTunes. You have to buy it, but it's got the whole book and it's got all 48 videos. Just go to a discipleship journey on iTunes and you'll find it there and you can have it on your phone. All right? We, right now we only have Apple. Apple, we don't have uh, Android yet. All right? Thank you guys. And for those of you, I saw some of your faces in every lion share session. We are honored that you took the time to do this. Thank you guys. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. This audio was adapted from the original presentation. Not all live interactions are included. Learn how you can grow as a disciple maker by visiting discipleship.org, where you can also register for the next National Disciple Making Forum.